Good morning. We're fasting today, right? Everybody's saving room for tonight. Yeah, that's always my strategy. I'm like Andrew. I'm like, ooh, what are we having? I'm great at dishes, so I'll do dishes if you're cook, if you'll cook. That's fair, right? It's totally fair. Yeah. So go with me in your weapons manual to the book of Exodus, chapter three. Of course, you know this story well from your childhood, but let's look at it from a little bit different. And there seems to be two or three of me, which is very torturesome to these precious people. So if you can reduce me to one, then it's me. I'm tormenting myself. I hear multiples of me. (laughs) One is more than sufficient. Are you there? In uh, Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And the flock was on the backside or west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb or Sinai, the mountain of God. So we we come to the place in Moses' life where he's about 80 years old. And uh, he was the prince of Egypt 40 years earlier. And a a generation has gone by and he finds himself having gone backwards or demoted uh, as a shepherd boy at the age of 80. And so it's important to know why Moses found himself in this position. Although Moses was not an Egyptian, um, God's plan was not to have every one of those baby boys murdered, but only one mama said, not in my household, and put him in a little boat. And God just directed the little river up right onto Pharaoh's doorstep. So the, the children Pharaoh was trying to kill, he would be obligated to raise one and financially support one. God has a great sense of humor. And so Moses was raised to be a prince of Egypt, and he was in line for the throne. And Moses knew in his heart that there was something that, that God was calling uh, to him on because he didn't see things the way everybody else saw things. He saw the, uh, the Hebrews enslaved and the way they were treated, and he was not in line with that. But Moses decided that he would try to deliver them or fix the problem in his own strength. Anybody ever tried to fix your own problem in your own strength? Did it work out as well for you as it did for me? Yeah, poorly. And so Moses, he tries to deliver uh, this problem with the Hebrew slaves and ends up killing an Egyptian murder. So when we do things in our own strength out of God's timing in the wrong way, we make things worse. So Moses Moses has to flee for his life. But uh, you can't go back and you go do a do-over, but you can have a fresh start. So we find Moses thinking that uh, his life is over, 40 years have gone by, and this is... um, that all he's going to be is a shepherd boy, but God's plans do not change for our lives. So even if you show up 40 years for the job late, the job is still open for you. Amen. So the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, that word looked mean Moses discerned and behold, the bush was burned with fire. So Moses is just walking along, tending his sheep. And he notices uh, all of a sudden that a bush is on fire. Now, this was not a novelty. This was a common occurrence. We're in the desert. So bushes catch fire, right? It's hot. It's dry. Things would catch fire. So that would not be uh, an anomaly that would have stunned Moses. But he did obviously take a look at it, and then he noticed, geez, that bush is on fire, but it's not being consumed. And so he looks, but then the Bible says, he says, now I will turn aside and really see. There's a difference between seeing with the natural eye and seeing with the eye of discernment. 
And so Moses saw the bush burning, but he could have just kept, ah, I see that all the time. I'm just going to carry on my same path with my same plan, my same, same agenda. After all, we have a schedule today, people, and our day planner, you know, to keep. But the Bible says that Moses turned aside to see uh, what it was that was different about this bush that it was not consumed. And then God called to him. God only talks to you when he's got your full attention. So he's always ready to speak and he's moving and he's attempting to get your attention. And many times we just see God, God, I'm so glad you're there. Hey, had my five minute Devo with you this morning, but I've got my agenda. I've got my plans today. Or, hey, I'll catch you Sunday night, going to get some rest Sunday morning. We're always looking at God like this. Glad you're there. I expect you to always be there at any moment I need you, but you can't catch me at any moment that you need or want me. And so this is a principle. God could have talked to him at any time, but he didn't speak until he had Moses' full attention. And then God said, now I'm going to talk to you. Now I'm going to talk to you about what I have planned for you. So he turned aside and God called him out of the midst, Moses, Moses. And the word called means he addressed Moses by name. So many times we have this hunger, God, what's what's your plan for my life? What's your destiny? But we're not doing the known will of God. When we do the known will of God, which we're all called to as the body, then God will say, Moses, this is what I have for you. So God will never give you the unknown will and call you by name until he's got your full attention on what he already said the known will of God. Amen? He called out of the midst. That mean, uh, out of the midst means to sever. In other words, if God's going to have your full attention, you're going to have to sever your everything else that's got your full attention. There are going to be things that you're going to have to learn to dismiss. You're going to have to be good at, at ignoring. How many of you played that game when you were little? Your brother or sister, your classmate was trying to get your attention and you had to practice ignoring them. And eventually, if you ignored them long enough, you were successful, and they went and bothered somebody else. But if they could get your attention, then uh, they would keep on. So uh, Satan is going to bid high for your attention this year because he wants that first place of attention because whatever your attention is on, there goes your life. Amen? So uh, Moses had to sever his attention from what it was on and give it fully to God. Then God said, okay, stop right there. Take your shoes off. For the place which you stand is holy ground. That word stand means the position you have now decided to turn away from distractions and give me your full attention. This is a holy place where I will now enact the supernatural. When we're going to turn away from the natural and give the supernatural our full attention, that's holy ground. So he told Moses, this is what you need to put off. You got to put off the shoes you are walking in in the natural to put on shoes to walk in the supernatural. There are different pair of glasses you need this year, and there's different pair of shoes. There's different equipment that you'll need to go from the natural to the supernatural, especially as the train leaves the station at a pace that you cannot run to catch up. Amen? So what does this have to do with tithes and offerings? Whatever we were giving our attention to with our finances, nothing that you have in your hand today financially is enough to fulfill the plan of God for your life or anybody else's. So we're going to have to learn to give more attention when we're bringing our tithes and our offerings and not being, I'll catch you later because I'm going to go to Disney World and I know, God, you're always there, but I don't need to always be here for you. Yeah, and so we have, God loves us, we have choices, but the question he asks of us is, do we love him? 
So are we going to bring uh, our attention more to what he asked, bringing those tithes and those offerings into the storehouse? Why? He said that there'll be food in my house, that there'll be meat. That means supply. That's not talking about natural food. This is not a grocery store. That's talking about spiritual food because spiritual food is the, is the track that your life produces productivity on. Everything flows from that. If you were to stop eating your life uh, for three days, would any of you die? No, but if you were to stop eating spiritually for a time, how, well do, how many of you have a day that doesn't go so well when you skip your devotion? Even one day. You're like, Jesus, I shouldn't have done that. And you know if you're getting ready to do that, oh, I'll catch God later, I'll pray later, you already know that the day's not going to go so well. Yeah, it might go well for you, but probably pretty lousy for everyone around you. <laughs> it's kind of like when I go to fast pastors by lunch, when are you going to eat? Yeah. And so when you didn't do your devotion, your coworkers like, you didn't pray today, did you? Yeah. <laughs> like, you might want to take your break and pray. They're letting you know, hey, you need to make an adjustment. So nothing in your future can possibly be accomplished by what you have in your hand today. You can't work enough hours. You can't make enough investment. So the only investment that we have the power to do is invest in the kingdom of God. Because when God says, I'm not a taker, I'm a giver, but the principle is you have to put it in my hand. Because Satan's the God of this world. That means he can control the monetary system. But God has provided a way to elevate you right out of that. So it doesn't matter what the government says the tax structure will be. It doesn't matter what gas prices are. It doesn't matter that your boss said, we don't give raises. How many of you heard testimonies all year from the tithers in this church saying their boss came to them and said, we don't give raises and we don't give this much, but, yeah, when you get your butt out of the way, God puts his butt and it intervenes, yeah. Whose butt do you want? Yeah. <laughs> and you want, butt means to intervene. You want your butt out of the way and his butt in. So every week we get the honor of bringing our finances and our, and our offerings um, so that we can turn aside from whatever our agenda was financially to further the kingdom of God, which means when you make God number one, now he says, now this is holy ground, now the supernatural works in your life. And he furthers your financial agenda without you having to work harder. Anybody ever heard the saying, work smarter, not harder? Yeah, a tither came up with that. Work. <laughs> All right, are you ready to bring your tithes and offerings? Okay, go ahead and ushers get ready to serve the people. You know, God is waiting to see if we're interested in his plan. Yeah, before he, he starts doing things. If you're not interested, that's okay. We love you. But I always say, that means I love you from a distance. Yeah, because you can't be near if you're not involved in his plan. If you have a goal, plan, agenda, and someone's not involved in that, you may love them too, but you're going to have to love them from a distance because you're kind of going and blowing, and they either get sucked up in your vortex and run life with you, or you just kind of love them from a distance. How many of you have in-laws you just love better from a distance? Yeah. <laughs> Mine are now in heaven, so I'm perfectly succeeding at that. <laughs> and so are they with me. Uh, are you ready? Okay, gentlemen, if you'll... Come.